They say the best things in life are free, but that's not true. Go to patreon.com slash bmfcast and give us your goddamn money. All right, welcome to the Bamfcast Variety hey, Hour. Hey, Bamfcast Variety Hour. All right, woo, number twenty-eight. If you're keeping uh, track for something strange, which you don't have to, because it'll be in the episode title. Right, and also it doesn't really matter. None, none of these episodes are connected. We're not. Yeah, nothing matters. Yeah, nothing matters. <laughs> also, there's that. Yeah, but I'm Harlow in this dystopian future. Yeah, yeah I'm Mackie. I'm BJ in this timeline. I'm Chuck. And yeah, this is not our normal podcast. Still, we're just. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, okay, fine. It's our normal podcast for now. It's our new normal podcast where we just talk about whatever the hell we've been watching. Uh, I feel like, I don't know why. It dawned on me that like, we've done a number of episodes of these in a row, and then we'll like start talking about a movie, and I don't want people to like get it twisted that like we're <laughs> exclusively doing bad movies, because I'm about to talk to about two movies that I think are good, and <laughs> I don't want someone oh. to be like, what are you talking about Tenet? What the shit? On bad movies? You know, like... <laughs> Because, yeah, I'm going to talk about Tenet. It finally dropped in a safe zone. <laughs> it's, well, it's the, the variety hour is like yeah. uh, the second half. Right. It's just yeah. whatever just, we've been watching. Yeah. It's, it's the, the second only half, half right now. Second half for the only half. Yeah. yeah, right. I I love someone who this is their first episode, right. and they have and they've continued to let it run to, mm-hmm. to, this, to this point. point. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, I don't. It's basically our thing. We want to do the movies together. We we tried at the beginning of quarantine to do like, hey, let's all watch the same movie, bad movie, and it just doesn't work. No, it's not you know, it, it doesn't work like it works when we're all in a studio and we're all everything pulled together. in too many different directions when we're not together, mm-hmm. and it's just it's hard to get all four of us to watch the same thing. Yeah, we've also realized like just how much it skews everyone's individual opinion of something. Just I don't know, there's something about the group experience of watching these things. Yeah, the I mean, one we were going to do this week brought threats of violence. <laughs> oh, well, did, did, did it? Like, oh, yours, your thing—that was different. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's just yeah. you yeah. continuing Chuck to push a your movie with the with the fucking dove on it. Yeah, all right? the family friendly dove talking dog oh. bullshit movie, and, no. and then is wondering why I'm ang- I'm the one that's angry about it. Like, I always have to come off as the monster because I'm like, I don't dislike dogs. I dislike fucking. Talking dogs and movies yeah. that make bad fart jokes and stuff. That peaceful dove yeah. makes me violent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's just we were gonna do whatever that was. Some yeah. some dog talkie movie thing. I yeah, don't know. some fucking dog movies. <laughs> Shut Chuck down right now. Yeah, yeah. Dog Sember well, not happening. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna watch it until everybody else just dog piled on you, Chuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, you guys just like, hey, don't forget the movie. And Harl's like, I will come over there and punch your heart out if you watch this movie. And I was like, well, that's the end of that. I so, said. So, Chuck, I, did you was... watch it? No, I don't want to die. Oh, I thought you had watched it before you, the threats of death showed up. No, no. I All right. So I said, what I was... dog movie was it? <laughs> Tell us. So because people are going to be yes. like, what was the dog movie? What know. was it? It's a doggone Christmas available on Amazon Prime directed by oh, yeah. Jim Wynorski. Oh yeah, fuck that thing. Mm-hmm. Moving on. <laughs> Here, here's my point: is I had just finished saying here's some good movies that just came out. You should probably watch them. And I knew how it was gonna go, where like everybody watched that shit ass dog movie, and then I was like, "Hey, did you watch the good movie?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, if you well, have... none of us watched any." Okay, well, yeah, yeah. 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 Plan yeah. backfired. Suck it. Plan backfired. Uh... I was going to be the person that just didn't watch it because it seems like every other time I've come in like, hey, I watched the movie. Oh, we all forgot about it. So I was just going to be like, that's I, happened once. Okay. One time. Yeah. I genuinely forgot all about it until the the slack war happened. Sure. <laughs> the, oh, the dog thing? Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. know that was a war. I was just being whatever. Oh, you were threatening. You were like, if anybody <laughs> watches the <laughs> fucking dog movie fired. and doesn't watch... Tenet or Freaky, I will kill all of you and shit on your graves. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what I said. It's word for word. I just, yeah. I just looked it up. That's right. Yeah. I'm sure it is. Word yeah. for word. It sounds like me. 
Yeah, so uh, how was that? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> wait, wait. There... Okay, okay. Let me read you word for word. Okay. What Harley <laughs> said. Oh, please. Oh, please, court stenographer, mini stenographer, BJ. <laughs> yeah. Harlow said, and I quote, if anyone watches that fucking dog movie and not freaky, I'll break quarantine and punch you in your soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That, was that a pretty shut it down real quick. I was like, well, I'm not even going to watch threat. it and not tell him. That's frightening enough. <laughs> I don't want to get soul punched. He knows so, where you live. My so point is, is that we get soul punched we, for we, not watching either. No, we seem to be in this like currency of I have 90 minutes to watch a movie. And my point was, if like everybody's so goddamn busy that they can't watch a 90 yeah. minute movie and they are going to watch a 90 minute movie. Don't watch the fucking doggone Christmas movie is my point. Please watch something good. That's a good point. Yeah. Not another but, goddamn depressing documentary where we come in and everything sucks. I'm just trying to ease us back. even more about just, it sucking when we watched a supposedly happy dog movie. I'm just trying to ease us back into the premise. Yeah. That's all I'm trying to do. Also, it's Christmas. It's it's mm. Christmas. There's so many other bad, good Christmas movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just yeah. saying, like, that like is Santa just... Like Santa Buddies. That's just a guaranteed, like, there's nothing redeeming about that movie. There's mm. There can't be. It's As soon as you put that it's, dove on, it's like... it's. Have you seen a G-rated movie in the last 10 years? Like, what it takes to get a G rating these days is like... Yeah, I that cannot film is not say rated, anything, thank you very dude, much. But, yeah. <laughs> huh? Yeah. That film is not rated, thank you very much. Okay. There could be fucking... Uh, there could be. <laughs> puppy fucking. Yeah, I don't know. Because you, you well, know, now the dove I want to watch it out of spite. <laughs> the, the dove thing is not an actual agency or anything. It's just something people put on their box. It doesn't mean fucking it. There's no dove agency. There's no like. There's no like company handing out the dove awards. It's just some oh, bullshit. I the, figured it had hey, to go through something yeah. to get the official seal. Nope, like this yeah. is not even it's, remotely offensive. It's the Nintendo seal of quality. It doesn't mean fuck. Right. Chuck, that's what they want you to think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what the dove people. <laughs> really, the dove people are running shit. All right. Look at their eyes. You'll see. They're the ones. Yeah. I like the fact, I like to think about that this would be like the actual soap people just like coming in like the soap mafia. Just like, yeah. You. It is called the Dove Foundation. Yeah. So. Bullshit oh. is what it's called. Yeah. They're trying to bring yeah. back the old traditions of washing your mouth out with soap because they make soap. Follow the money. Yep. Follow yeah. the money. Yeah. Anyway. I didn't what watch did the dog watch? movie. I did watch Tenet and Freaky, as you just alluded to. <laughs> Two things that were dropped recently that, you know, had a theater release, a.k.a. a death sentence, uh, and I didn't go see them mm-hmm. then. So, yeah, good for you. Now they're at home, and I watched them both. Uh, I guess I'll talk about Tenet first, because it's the bigger movie, and I don't know. Yeah. I feel like we've been hearing about Tenet for a good year or so, like from that first, like, yeah. what yes. is Tenet? I don't know. Um, so I now I know hey, what it is, I think. What's what, Tenet? What's Tenet? Uh, completely spoiler free. I'm just going to give you the literal most basic plot, which I think they revealed at some point prior to actually seeing the movie. But it's a, it's a freaky time travelish heist adventure thing. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. Inception-esque. I mean, it, it's, this is like the kind of the follow-up to Inception, if you will. Not that it's connected in any way. It's just... This is the Nolan film that's like Inception, you know. So in the same vein, as... in the same vein of just like I don't know, really heady but also crazy action shit, and you know, just shit that you're going to be watching this movie and going, I literally have no idea how you shot this. I I don't understand how this was possible. <laughs> um, there's a couple where you know, like the curtains peeled back enough where I I could see the seams of like, all right, I could see how you did this, but then it, like something else would happen and be like. All right, you lost me again. I, you know, I just I just don't understand because the the main conceit of the movie is that it's not just simple time travel. It's like there are some people moving forward in time, some people moving backwards in time, and and people and objects and things, and all trying to explain what the hell it means. And that's all I really want to say about the plot. But it just it produces that like there are things where something's moving one way and something's moving the other way, you know, and, mm. but they look, both look natural. So mm. it's like, it's, it's weird because you're like, okay, I don't know if that's green screen, but then they're interacting and I, you know, you just broke my brain. I don't know how you film this kind of things. Is it as good for today's effects as the, um, weird owl Amish paradise music video <laughs> was for effects back then? Um, I 
<laughs> Not sure I'm following this one. But <laughs> believe okay, me, the I'm... Peter Cushing scene in Top Secret. Is it like that? Okay. Is that where we're going with this? Okay. I, I totally... Was there a backwards talking I am in, in Amish Paradise? Because you lost me. I'm like, yes. usually the king of loose threads and connecting them, but... I, Which I, is yeah. why I'm so disappointed in you. I know. Well, I, that's where my weird owls started petering off. I was like 18 when that came out. So just saying, it was like, by that time, it was like, you know, I came oh, back were, around. I'm just saying. I you went were on that. Coolio's side I, in that whole war. No, it was just like, I. it was like at a point where I was like, I hated the songs that it was then parodying. So it was like, I had nothing there. You know, like it's not I a good would, album. No, I'm saying like I was into the cool music, so I was like, "Well, fuck Coolio and fuck this shit," and you know, I don't need a parody of a thing I already fucking hate. It's you know, anyway, I was edge lordy, whatever everybody was at that age. Anyway, mm. <laughs> yes, the Peter Cushing yeah. thing. Yes, it's definitely like you can't. Th- there's one thing where I was like, "Oh, okay, I can tell that Denzel Jr. is like acting this part backwards because it just looks that like just ever so slightly unnatural." So they have a lot of stuff that's filmed backwards, basically, is what you're saying. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's or like appears I said, to be. It's it. Yeah. Like I said, there was only one scene where I was just like, "Oh, he's doing this backwards," you know. Like, and it and it was and unfortunately, it was also like early in the tipping of the hand of like, "This is what the movie's about," and so it was like my eyes were just immediately like, "All right, how's this gonna work?" And it it sucks because like, Inception was kind of the same way, but this one's a little harder to wrap your head around. Like, I feel like Inception by the end, it's like. People were like at the end of Inception, people that went, I'm confused, were not all there. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like it kind of laid itself out pretty well by the end. This one's kind of like, uh, I think I get it. But also it, it, this is this one's just got a lot more like I'm sure all the pieces are mostly connected as far as plot holes. I'm sure. And also that someone has made a thousand and one plot holes in Tenet video, but Ding. I'm just saying it's Ding. like it's <laughs> this one's like a lot harder to like in one viewing go yeah I get it all <laughs> and also like you know I, I followed the entire thread here and mm-hmm. and you know by the time Inception was over I was like no I, I get it I I'm I, I'm along for your ride I am understanding your physics you've done enough to explain it go this one's a lot more mystery boxy it just kind of like there's nobody like in Inception like you know you kind of had a couple of characters come in and go like all right, this is how this works and da 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 and 10 times this and hundred, you know, this layers this. And, you know, it was like, they all kind of yeah. came in and, you know, expositioned like it out pretty well. Inception, there's ambiguity, but it's not like right. totally opaque about what it's doing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's very clear about what it's doing. Whereas, you know, some movies are too opaque about what's going on. Right. So that everything becomes ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just saying it's, 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 it's interesting because it's like, this one is just a maybe it was because I spent so much time dazzled by the filmmaking and paying less attention to the story at times that I just I'm saying this is definitely a need probably need to watch it more than once kind of movie to really mm-hmm. get it. It's just it's just much more obtuse after first viewing than the than something like Inception was. Mm-hmm. It's just super complicated. Where do you feel it falls in the Nolan movie? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing, <laughs> I'm realizing that like now, now must Nolan must be just a thing that like now I need more viewings to appreciate because like I, I didn't really dislike Dark Knight Rises, but I did come out like oh that's the way you're ending it kind of feeling you know mm-hmm. when it first happened, and then I've gone back and like no it's actually pretty fucking solid like I really like Dark Knight Rises over time you know and I like I didn't really care for Dunkirk. Yeah, or even Interstellar, except now I'm back on the Interstellar is actually really fucking good. And so I feel like I got to go rewatch Dunkirk now, get to where I like that, and then I'll maybe get to where I like Tenet better. I'm not saying I disliked it. It's just like, I'm a little confused, but holy shit, filmmaking and stuff is cool. And I didn't mind Twilight being in it at all. Like, I actually thought he was really good. I'm realizing I think this is the first time I've seen Robert Pattinson in anything besides a Twilight or Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Like, I honestly think it might be. I'm trying. I'm struggling to think of like anything else I saw him in, except for like maybe pre Twilight, like he was a bit part in something. Because like I don't think I, you know, I think didn't he do a couple like Lars von Trier movies? So I certainly wasn't going to watch those. And <laughs> I'm, he's still, done some arty stuff. Yeah, yeah, he did. So he did a Safdie Brothers movie. He's done some Claire Denis movies. So, yeah. yeah, he's kind of. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. not he's above. worked with smart people. Yeah, basically. Yeah, <laughs> he's worked with anti Twilight people, so to speak. Sure. And I think he did have one sci-fi movie I've his I meant to see, and like this, 
if anything, this like at least opened the door of like I'm just not immediately off put by him. Like he can be fine in a movie I'm realizing now and not just be like, oh fucking Twilight guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and he's like there's a lot, you know, th- there's one thing I'll say about Nolan, and this is just kind of an observation overall. I mean, Interstellar is a little bit different because it's kind of starts in this like bleak, you know, town where they have nothing and everything, but very quickly it moves into like Nolan presents you with like really fancy ass places. Like almost everywhere in his movies is like, damn, like uh, there's like some rich ass people go here. And, you know, I'm just saying like every one of his sets are like really elaborate, but like fancy elaborate. Like it's, it's, it's not just circumstantial, like, oh, we're, you know, we're outside this fancy place. It's like, uh, you know, people's homes and things and the way people dress. It's like, everything's like super fucking fancy. Like I've just something like I've noticed about his movies. <laughs> He's I, a fancy man. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just like every, everything's, yeah, everyone dresses like super dapper and shit. And, you know, it's it's just it's kind of cool because yeah. it's just like and there's like, always one character with his haircut in it. Is there? <laughs> like, I've never yeah. really noticed that. Okay. Every Nolan movie has a character that has his haircut in it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Tenet's good. It's just kind of confusing. I, I don't want to say it's like confusing because there's a lot of people like one star. I didn't understand a goddamn thing. And I'm like, I, I get it. I just <laughs> like I said, there's like there's some threads that I'm like, I, I Huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's it's like a real weird nonlinear movie that's a little hard to follow because you know, mm-hmm. memento esque. You know, like this is kind of like you know memento and following had a baby because <laughs> it's like you know. Well, you see, if you had read the graphic novel, you would understand how the parts connected. Yeah, nope. yeah. Memento nope. uh, following <laughs> and Inception had a baby, and we called it Tenet. That's mm. kind of what it is, because it's like, you know, those other two movies are very simple, you know, but I'm just saying like the nonlinear timeline stylings of Memento mixed with the kind of like following has this like running timeline, you know, almost like single take sort of feel to it. Not single mm-hmm. take-ish, but, you know, it's just it's like the time in the movie, I want to say, is like the time runtime of the movie is the runtime of the events in the movie as well or something like that. Yeah. So this one has that ur- that urgency to it and stuff. So it's good. I guess I gotta learn the dude's name. I gotta stop calling him Denzel Jr. Is it John David Washington? Is that what he is? I think so. I just call him Denzel Jr. I know it's like it's as I soon just... as I found out like he was Denzel. I didn't even know like the first after the first season the Ballers. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and... seriously, I finished that entire first season and then I saw an interview. Where it was like, yeah, Eddie... it's like, oh yeah, Denzel's my dad. I'm like, what? I actually think I actually think I caught on before okay. I read it because he said like off camera, not in his character on that show. He said something and it was like. And then all of a sudden it was like he he said something and it had like Denzel's, you know, styling of, you know, vocals pattern or something to it. And it was just like all of a sudden I was like, oh, yeah, of course, he looks like a younger version of him. It was like I was blinded to it at first. But yeah, yeah, it's really weird. I will just a little like this is the dumbest little Easter egg, but it's also like I think the first time you see him, he he does his dad's gun trick thing in this movie. The slide it and catch the bullet. Like, I think a lot of people don't even know that's like a Denzel thing you know the, you know sliding the on the gun and catching the bullet midair that's like Denzel does that in almost mm. every movie where he has a gun and yeah. he does it like I a, didn't realize that yeah his kid does it like first time he shows up in this movie and I was like hey, hey. <laughs> 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 yeah. that's how I watch movies I just like, hey. <laughs> you didn't snap and point at the screen mm-hmm. yeah anybody else have something so I'm not just monopolizing the conversation break up uh, go ahead and do this the, go ahead and do this next one the next yeah one is, go ahead and do the next one all right well just uh, as big okay i also watch freaky the the new movie from the happy death day guy which i probably should have looked up his name uh happy death day guy happy death day guy it's like damn it i just looked it up the other day and my brain is jim death day load faster yeah i, I almost yeah. said christopher landon i was like that doesn't sound right but that's his name <laughs> trust my gut Oh, Michael Landon. Landon's son. Yes, yeah, Michael Landon's son. It'd be funny if he actually also, is. Also, <laughs> Denzel's son. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. So, um, I don't know number wise. This is his fourth movie, I think, because he did what? Scout's Guide. Did yeah, yeah, and then the, and Happy then the Death two Days. Death Days, yeah. and yeah. then this one. Yeah. So, was Scout's Guide a rated R movie? I didn't even look up his filmography. I probably should have been slightly more prepared to talk about this movie. Um. But yeah, anyway, this is a rated R movie, uh, like, you know, which we like commented those. about how both the Happy Death Day movies felt like they were really skirting around that with their PG-13 movies. 
Like, I want to say you were actually kind of shocked when you found out that they were mm-hmm. PG-13. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, because um, yeah, there's a lot of death in them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, and Scout's Guide was rated R, so this isn't his first vi- venture into rated Rness, but he's, he's back into rated Rness. Um, and it's it's pretty much just for gore stuff. I mean, but it's like most everything in this is comedy gore. <laughs> I mean, if that makes sense, it's like nothing is played for like, oh, dear God, like that's awful. I mean, everything's kind of got a sam raimi-esque vibe to it like no matter how horrific it is it's also like it's kind of either a a funny circumstance or also you're like yeah but fuck that guy <laughs> or girl so or like <laughs> so like the babysitter uh, yeah a little bit or, yeah i, I suppose all yeah. that violence was like oh yeah that happened yeah, but they're huh? all part of the cult people so fuck them yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> yeah sort of like that yeah okay yeah it, it's 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 fun and interesting and i think the biggest selling point i, I probably should explain what it is is it's it's a Horror comedy body swapping thing. Um, Vince Vaughn and uh, what's her face? Catherine Newton switch bodies. Denzel's daughter. <laughs> yes, Denzel's daughter, <laughs> Catherine Newton. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she's uh, you know like seventeen, eighteen, whatever, in high school, and you know, there's a weird thing where he's a serial killer and he's going to murder her, and they swap bodies, and you know, so hijinks ensue. Hijinks ensue. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's cool. it's it's funny and and Denzel or Denzel, God damn it, why you got to say Denzel all the fucking gotcha. time? Gotcha, you Denzeled me. <laughs> Vince Vaughn is enjoying the hell out of making this movie, which is a really fun thing to see because like I feel like the last several Vince Vaughn movies I've seen, he just was like, yeah, I'm here, like I, I want to make, I need to eat. <laughs> Look at me. He's uh, been a sad boy for a little while. Yeah, like he just really seemed like he's enjoying himself in this movie, and it's. It's really, it's, I, I gotta, like, I'm becoming a real big fan of this this director, dude, because, like, he's really good at switching genres on you really quick, and that's something that I really appreciate people being able to do and not doing doing it super cloyingly, uh, because, like, there's a, there's a real earnest moment in the middle of this movie that, for all intents and purposes, is also hilarious, <laughs> but it's also, like, it's played totally straight-faced in the movie, Mostly, and it's just, it's really sweet. I mean, it's just, it's so out of, it, it's not as good of, of a kind of out of nowhere heart moment that happens in De- Happy Death Day to you, but it, it is mm-hmm. still like this moment where it's just like, holy shit, wait, like uh, two seconds ago, we were making dumb jokes and, you know, blood was on the screen and stuff. It's it's just, it's really interesting how you can just switch gears like that. And it's like, shit, this is actually working. Movies are getting better at the genre blending. Yeah. Not not great. Like everything's not great, but like action comedies and stuff like that have gotten way better. And I think like Game Night is responsible for that because, you know, then you get things like Stuber and Central Intelligence where you're like, okay, this works as both. Whereas if this was made in the 90s, it would just be a comedy that has guns in it. Well, I mean, I don't know if that I don't know if you can attribute anything recent. I mean, really, Lethal Weapon movies were doing that. I mean. Everyone thinks of Lethal Weapon movies as action movies because that's the section they were in in the video store. And we were just like, I want to see guns. If there's guns, it's an action movie. But that's just as much a comedy, or at least the sequels tried to be. I mean, the first one's yeah. got some really dark shit in it, but it's also still a buddy comedy. But I mean, you, mm-hmm. you think about a teen horror comedy, and then you watch Happy Death Day to me, or to you, or whatever. And, you know, you get that scene in the middle, the real like, oh, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. You don't. You scream doesn't do that. No. No. Yeah. Like I said, I just feel like this guy's real good at like hitting that gear shift in the middle of a movie, and it's just like yeah. it, it works. Um, yeah. You know, like I said, I I think good filmmakers have always been able to, to do this. I mean, some of the funniest moments were in super sad ass movies, or vice versa. You know, I mean, if you think about it, like, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. a, a good bit of humor can break like can, some of the funniest shit can be just because like break a mood tension type thing you know the lion steel yeah. magnolias or whatever you know like right. the sally fields crying about her dollar it's like here hit her you know like that kind of thing it's like <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah so yeah it's just well yeah it's yeah it's it's a good movie i just don't think it's like it's not as good as the happy death Day movies maybe it's just because that's it's a little more conventional i mean this movie clearly wanted to just be called freaky friday the 13th i mean it's mm. just like it's right there and like the events actually happened on a Friday the 13th, you know, on okay. screen. So yeah, it's just it's like, it's clearly there. like, that's what they were going for. So I'm sure that was just like, Hey, what if we did this? And then lo and behold, here's this movie. So yeah, it's cute and fun. 
And R. And R. <laughs> and Alan Ruck's a total piece of shit in it. It's hilarious. Like, Cameron from Ferris Bueller is like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if everybody had a teacher like this. I certainly did. <laughs> so, just one of those, like, why the fuck are you a teacher? <laughs> it's like, you obviously hate everyone and especially kids. Why the fuck are you a teacher? You know? Oh, I had those. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. I, wa- I watched the thing. Okay. Uh, there's a new documentary on HBO about the Bee Gees. Uh, directed by Frank Marshall. Uh, director of Congo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You uh, Congo out of all of that. Well, okay. arachnophobia and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the I way, I can't tell the, you the, how many people have told me to watch this fucking Bee Gees documentary in the last like four or five days. Okay, at least six or seven people I, have said, I have "Watch to, the I, Bee Gees documentary." I have to clarify one thing: uh, that guy actually is Michael Landon's kid. <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody that filled in the chat <laughs> did the research. So and it is his fifth movie. He did the Paranormal Activity marked ones. Oh, okay. Before oh, he wow. did Scott's Guide. Okay. Yep. All right. Okay, man, Jensen's kid. Good job. (laughs) Wait, wait, yeah. So, okay, I, I I think BJ, you and me are probably of the same mindset on the BJ uh, on the Bee Gees, which is, yeah, I know who the Bee Gees are, and I know some of their songs, but I don't give a flying fuck about the Bee Gees. Who cares? Um, Accurate. Okay, I know their songs, and I know the Barry Gibb talk show thing, which is funnier than it should have been for some. I went into this just like I don't know anything about the Bee Gees. Tell me a story about the Bee Gees. I'll see if I'm interested. And like by the end of it, when it does like when it does the thing that everything does now, hard cut to black and then gives you the white text on black background telling you when everybody died and everything. I'm like crying, just trying not to just ball my eyes out at this moving ass documentary about the Bee Gees. Uh, it's so it's are really you saying good. they all had a problem staying alive. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Barry Gibbs, the only one left. So okay. um, which like right away they point he points out, he says, look. This is all going to be from my point of view because I'm the only one here. I'm sure they would tell it differently if they were here, and I wish they were to tell it differently. But anyway, here we go. Um, yeah, and it's just it's just one of those documentaries where they had a ton of fucking footage, concert footage, home video footage, you know, promotional footage, and they were just like, we can sculpt this into a solid ass two hour documentary, and they do a very good job pinpointing like when this country turned on disco music with the whole like blow up the yeah, records burn that the fucking records. guy yeah. and it just like tying that to where like the bg decline happened like they were just ridiculously popular and then this country said man fuck disco and they they tie it into the whole thing that we've talked about before which is just like it is just white people scared of people of color and gay people and they're like that music cannot gain popularity. Fuck that shit forever. We have to destroy it. Um, and and every, they bring in people to comment on that who were affiliate, who were like you know, gay people and and people of color and people who were associated with the with the disco stuff who were affected by it. And their opinion is all like, and yeah, the Bee Gees got swept up in that. And unfortunately, like you know, a bunch of white dudes from Australia also suffered because of that. And it's unfair. Um, you know, it's really weird. I had literally no idea like that that had something to do with the quote unquote death of disco, like fear, paranoia, bigotry. I, I literally had no idea. Like, I mean, I yeah. didn't even know that. Like, I, yeah, to me, disco is like so. I, I well, don't know. It, you know what smartly, I mean? It's like, yeah. s- smartly, the movie doesn't tie it all to that because it also ties it to the corporations coming in and trying to make a quick buck off of fad sure. and making disco duck and a bunch of terrible bullshit that ruined the genre. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably my problem is I just see disco as like such a poppy, uh, non-threatening thing that it's like, not that I'm, I'm threatened by <laughs> whatever, you know, people of color and gay people right. or whatever. I'm just saying like, it, it's so like, yeah, milk toast, you know, it's just, it's disco, you know, like, it's, I, it, yeah, it's just fun pop music. No, I just like, yeah. I, I can't think of like anyone being offended by it. It's like, you know, it's like, I like, oh, death to elevator music. It's like, oh, okay, like, that's a weird take. I, just imagine all the, just the dumb shit people fight about now, sure, like yeah. not even political shit, just TV shows and video games and how like movements grow up around these things about how these things must be destroyed. And just picture this happening in the seventies when there was no, 
internet for people to do it. So they all had to congregate in public and have fucking hate rallies and just be like, we're going to smash these disco records. Fuck this shit. Um, there, there's one guy who was working as an usher. Uh, it was a, it was a, it was a black guy working as an usher at the ballpark when they did the stunt. And he very specifically notes, he said, people, to get into the park for this event, you had to bring a disco record for them to blow up. And he said, people weren't bringing disco records. They were bringing records of black artists hmm. that, that had nothing to do with disco. Wow. This was like a hate event. This was just a culturally sanctioned hate event that this fucking disc jockey put on and got this whole movement going. Um, so it surprisingly touches on a lot of important cultural stuff that happened in the late seventies for this, but surrounding all that is some really good looks at making a record, um, like how much of a career they had before the mid to late seventies. They've been around forever making records and how long it took them to do the, the falsetto stuff was for, it's not like that was their thing. They didn't start that mm -hmm. until like nights on Broadway. Which mm -hmm. was way and and they were just like, oh wow, <laughs> this is nice on Broadway. <laughs> it's it's the it's the Barry Gibb talk show theme that they reworked, okay. but that's the original song called Nights on Broadway. Um, it's it's just it, it's it's informative. You look at it and go, I feel bad for these guys. Like they went through a lot of shit, and they shouldn't have. Um, again, I know it's all one sided because it's Barry Gibb telling the story, and it's that mm -hmm. there's really not. There's, I, I'm sure there are things that happen along the way that probably paint them in a bad light that they don't touch upon, but it's yeah, it's not about don't that. Say, because um, you know it's a band, so of course I'm, some terrible shit surely went down. Uh, but it's like it. They they talk about like the first time drum loops started, and it was because of a necessity that they were working in the studio, and their drummer's mother had something happen to her health and he had to leave and they had to get this record done and they didn't know what to do. So they took a, a drum bar from one of his earlier songs and figured out how to loop it. And this was like the beginning of just drum tracks, like changing the entire mm. industry. And they, they go through the whole process of like how they actually did it on the equipment that they had. Um, so there's a lot of that stuff too, where it's like the dudes who produce the records are in there and they're like, on the old equipment showing you how they did stuff. And it, it, it's a very impressive, well put together, lots of footage, lots of talking heads documentary. All the people you would expect to be in it are in it talking about the Bee Gees. Uh, I don't know who I'd be expecting. John Travolta. No, actually, no. John Travolta is not in okay, there. Okay, so not everybody I would be expecting. Yeah, I, sure. I expected one person. <laughs> and I was denied that one person. <laughs> yeah, that's now that I think of it. Uh, yeah, that's a little strange. Um, I thought he'd show up for a sandwich. I mean, it seemed like it'd be easy to get. But... Yeah. I mean, I don't know. They throw Eric Clapton in there, which was unfortunate because, you know, just recently everyone's like, man, fuck you, Eric Clapton. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. he shows up in this thing like, hey, I'm Eric Clapton. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, burn those records. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's just a really really good look at a band that I didn't think I gave a shit about, and now I'm totally like, man, you guys got done dirty, and I feel bad. Uh, and there, there's kind of like a post disco era where they talk about all the records they produced, um, you know, just like Islands in the Stream and all this, you know, Dionne mm -hmm. Warwick and Kenny Rogers stuff, and you're just like, man, yeah, now I totally hear it. That's totally a BG song. Uh, yeah, because basically, yeah, a they, lot of those disco disco artist like yeah like uh god now i can't remember his name but the guy from chic like yes. he he went on to make a ton of stuff that people are like oh shit that was you yeah <laughs> but he actually like i, I remember hearing a podcast where he talked about how he had to change his guitar style like because he had like this chunking that he did <laughs> and everyone associated it with disco yep and so he took the chunking out and still played the parts because it's basically it's david bowie's let's dance like right. originally was a very disco sounding song but he like kept pairing out everything and then moving it to the horns and all that sort of stuff, like all yeah. the melodies that would have been basically a really bitchin' disco track. Yeah, because they were basically yeah. like, look, our voices are synonymous with this genre now. No one's going to let us record. We've got to figure out a way to keep earning a living. Mm -hmm. So we will compose the songs and do like backing vocals and have some, you know, Kenny Rogers come in and, you know, 
basically do Barry Gibbs lead vocals and mm, that'll like, be a did record. Did they do his disco song from the Big Lebowski? Was, did they no, no, that was oh, all. Oh, you're just throwing a random person <laughs> Yeah, no, this was all in the 80s. Like, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, like they, there, there's an entire Kenny Rogers album that's nothing but, well, but I mean, it's not BG like that songs. song was made for the big, I mean, the one that was in the Big Lebowski. Right, it's yeah, no. Song. <laughs> yeah, what condition yeah. that condition was in. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a two hour documentary that I felt like could have gone for another two hours. And that's the sign of a good documentary to me. Yeah. Where I was like, I need more. But for the story it's trying to tell, they do a really good job. Yeah, I believe that is actually now referred to as the disco strum, right? Like the, I mean, as the technique, right? Isn't that to get yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yep. it's just kind of a thing that it's like, all right, yeah, that's, that's disco. Anyway. Yep. We done disco dirty. Yeah. Um, well, I've always said like disco and funk. <laughs> We were really, it's a shame we killed them so quickly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I never thought about it in terms of uh, racism, <laughs> but apparently I need to watch this documentary to kind of uh, get that context. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Man, no segues, but I finished Fargo finally, season four. <laughs> um, That is the first thing I've seen that is very clearly affected by COVID. Because the finale is like the shortest episode of the season. And it's just kind of like. Feels different from the others and feels like it doesn't even feel like a wrap up. It just feels like like, all right, we're just we got to get it done. You know, it feels like shit. Class starts in five minutes type thing. Let's let's <laughs> just, just end this. Just write anything. <laughs> yeah, kind of. So it's it was weird. But yeah, it's not a particularly satisfying season of television at all. There's a very specific out of sight reference in uh, one of the later episodes that I was like, holy shit, like this is exactly a scene from out of sight. But aside from that, I was kind of like, eh. And apparently they, they tie it into one of the later seasons at the very, very, very end. So I guess that mattered for other people, but you know, Hmm. I didn't know about, I didn't really understand it until I, read some stuff online. Cause I'm like, uh, why did that matter? And I think I know who that was. And then they're like, Oh yeah, this is what it was. So, but yeah, I, I do want to go back and kind of watch the better seasons. One and two are amazing. Yeah. And three, three is not three's okay. <clears throat> until you realize it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Four kind of feels like it's not going anywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But like I also, it, yeah, go ahead. It, it feels like each season is very, Cohen era specific and it's mm-hmm. you can kind of get a feel like I think I've talked about this before the the third season is very man who wasn't there ish where it's just kind of like this is all kind of noirish and floaty and kind of like disconnected from a lot of things there, there's some great stuff in it mm-hmm. um, it's just at the end it's just an unsatisfying season of television whereas the first two were like holy shit yes more of this yeah, well, and that's the thing with the fourth season. There's there's specific episodes and moments that are like, yeah, this is fantastic stuff. But eventually you have to kind of make a cohesive whole out of it, and I don't think it ever gets there. Yeah. Which, you know, hopefully uh, Noah Hawley can kind of bring uh, <laughs> some of the early season stuff to uh, this new Alien series that he's going to be working on. Yeah, I so, don't know if, how I feel about that. <laughs> I, yeah, I was actually going to ask... I, I must ask you, Mackie, to undertake a homework assignment with no due sure. date. I feel like you're the most qualified person to watch Legion among yeah, us. Yeah, I know. And I know. maybe make sense of it. And <laughs> I want to uh, I want to know how it is. And I, <laughs> I, I want just, to. Well, I, I just I don't know that I know the source material enough to make any sense out of the show is what I'm understanding. <sighs> I mean, I know some stuff about David, but not a ton Okay. Like he's one of those characters that never particularly interested me, to be honest. Sure. I mean, his power set is kind of a cool gimmick, you know, but aside from that, it's he just never showed up in stories that I was interested in, let's put it that way. So Yeah, I just I mean when this dude like becoming the new like, hey, we're putting on you the alien thing and he's got his name attached to something Star Trek related, and I'm like I don't know if I like this dude. Like I tried Fargo and just immediately <laughs> fell off and I did not like Lucy in the sky, you know, like, and that yeah. I should have liked that. That movie is just a oh, weird right, misdirection. That thing, yeah. yeah. I'm like that. Yeah. That movie is just some weird ass misdirection. <laughs> so I was like, I'm yeah, going to see a movie but... about space and shit. Cause I, I literally had no idea that was tied to the, 
crazy astronaut lady. You know, like no <laughs> pre. You know, like I, I barely remember that story from you know <laughs> briefly entering my consciousness, and then all of a sudden I'm watching this movie. It's like, all right, this is a movie about space, and I was like, where the fuck did the space go? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's just kind of like, I I guess because it's alien, the bar for me right now, like I still will check out anything alien related because that's just kind of, you know, that hope springs eternal thing. But I mean, honestly, it's kind of like there hasn't been an uncompromised good alien thing, alien isolation removed, like since aliens, because I like people will go to bat for alien three, but alien three is not great. Like it's not. I mean, I, I get why people want to act like Alien 3 is some undiscovered gem or something, but it's oh, I, not I like great. I like a lot of Alien 3. I, mean, I just don't think yeah. I like it as a movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I do as well. Like, I, I will go to bat for Alien 3, but I won't say, like, oh, no, it's the best one. You know, there are people who actually, like, and that's just kind of like, I like to be a hipster about things is the feeling I always get from people that will say something like that. Because it's like, no... Like I, I appreciate what you're trying to do here, but no. Like, uh, I mean, given <laughs> there the, hasn't been a good alien movie since Aliens. Given the Zack Snyderites out there, or whatever they're called, yeah. I'm sure there's people that are like Alien Resurrection's the best one. <laughs> Eat a dick. Yeah, absolutely well, I mean, not. <laughs> that's the thing. Aside from the Alien versus Predator stuff, there's always something interesting that's happened in all sure. of the Alien movies, including sure. like Prometheus and Covenant. But that doesn't mean they're good yeah. at all. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so the bar isn't exactly high for a TV series being good, but I also don't know how you, you know, even an eight episode series, like you got to kill off people, (laughs) you know, like you got to have some tension. And it's like, I'm just wondering if it's going to be a case of we don't even see an alien until the third or fourth episode. And then it's kind of, you know, just I guarantee you. (laughs) Yeah, that sort of shit. And then it's, you know. It's going to be one of those shows where Twitter is going to be insufferable. It's like, um, I was promised an alien. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. You told me there would be aliens on your alien show. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I also kind of feel like, you know, it, when you do that, it's going to be a case of, well, couldn't this have just been a two-hour movie? Did we really need 80 episodes? And that's going to be my fear is that that's what it's going to be. Is it's like, if you trim all the fat, you got a good two-hour movie here. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm afraid that, like, at this point what are they pulling from? I mean, like, is this going to be like, oh, it's our chance to further explain the Prometheus universe. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, when is this happening? Yeah. Well, I mean, just like, oh, yeah, let's further go down into David making weird shit and aliens and whatever and all this. And, yeah, that's what we want. I No, it is not what anyone no. wants. <laughs> hey, but Mackie, first, I think, like, your, your thing that you've said uh, consistently, especially about Covenant, is that we're only, like, five years away from Alien. Yeah. If yeah. that, like, there's yeah, not they really that their much timeline already. Like, <laughs> yeah, like they already. They're like, oh, we're gonna go back, and it's gonna be, it's gonna solve everything. And it's like, no, you already fucked it up. Like, yeah. it only took you one movie to fuck it up. Yeah, you're already up against it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and if what you did is your solution, then you fucked it up even worse. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. at a certain point, just on the very basics, it's like that ship needs to sit there for a while and look decrepit. Yeah. <laughs> well, this one is supposedly set on Earth, so. Yeah. It may be like oh, so maybe this could be the Lucy in the sky. It's like where's the space? <laughs> I'd the almost aliens? rather like I'd, I'd almost rather it just be absolutely completely disconnected from everything, you know. Unless it's like all right, we got a company called Whalen Utani that he works for, you know, some shit like that. Well, that, I mean, the two the two Alien v Predator movies were set on Earth, and yeah, like, and they were both bad. What if like if they secretly? I like, like hey, them. I, I like the second one, but they're both bad. Maybe maybe they're mm-hmm. secretly going to make Alien Isolation into a series. Like it's about Ripley's daughter, like I and the time of like where's my mom and I'm gonna try to go find her. I would be about that, but I mean, that was kind of the good and the detriment of Alien Isolation is yeah. it was so enslaved to the original aesthetic of Alien yeah. in particular that I don't know if you can pull off. Oh, in a live action thing, yeah, yeah, making a full live action thing of that, but you know, I don't know it. it yeah, if if it's apparently of the quality of the first seasons of Fargo, then yeah, let's do this. But if it's of the but quality also, of the fourth one, it's kind of like, eh. I mean, at this point, like, I mean, all these things he's supposedly attached to, I mean, this could very quickly become like a J.J. Abrams situation where it's like, yeah, I put my name on it. I really, someone else is actually do, running it. <laughs> like, I'm just barely there, you know? I mean, everyone still thinks, like, Lost was J.J. Abrams' thing. It's like, no, not really. That was 
Yeah, J.J. Abrams was putting his name on a lot of stuff there for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know. Yeah, he just showed up for the pitch. Yeah, I mean, this guy might, look, you know, according to IMDb, he's only attached to, like, write one episode, you know? So it's like, Mm -hmm. he may just be like, I'm directing and writing the first episode, and then, hi. Yeah. I mean, Scorsese's done that with, like, what, three series now? Or it's like, he did the first episode, and it's like, all right, I'm executive producer, give me that money. Oh, right, that record show about yeah, disco. <laughs> but also, like, Boardwalk Empire, I think. Didn't he do the first stone of that? And yeah, then, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. saying, it's like, I feel like it's like three or four shows now in a row where it's like, it's Martin Scorsese's show. He did the first episode and then likes that money. Yeah. Did Sam Raimi ever do any other episodes of Ash vs. Evil Dead aside from the pilot? I don't think I, so. I don't think so, no. Yeah. But hmm. he had to go on and, you know, produce the first season of The Irishman. <laughs> yeah um i also started watching uh queen's gambit finally that show's good <laughs> that show's real good that show will make you interested in chess all right like no, like it may... <laughs> that I, show's I, good <laughs> no i like it is like it's hey, kind of i was it's... on vinyl <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which guy? Ray Romano. Oh. Was he? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. great on He's Bible actually too. really fucking good at that show. Yeah. Yeah. But um no, I mean it's it's a lot like you know, it's set in the sixties, at least um the main parts of it. It starts out in her childhood earlier in the fifties. Well, I guess early, early sixties, but um yeah, it's it's one of those shows that really knows what it's doing and what it's going for. And I appreciate that it's much like Mad Men in that it's very slavish in its, this is the time period. This is how we're going to decorate all the sets and dress everyone. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to sweat the tiny details of things. And, you know, it just kind of, it helps that, that mid sixties is just an awesome looking period for architecture and, you know, fashion and just all that sort of stuff. It's super cool. So it's nice to, to see those settings. And as someone who actually played chess quite a bit way back in the day, like it's, it's fun to see how they translate it to people. You know, they only, luckily they only have one scene of someone narrating something like, Oh, here's the part where she, if she checks him, he has to move or it's check, you know, that sort of thing. There's like only one of those at one point. And it kind of actually works, but aside from that, it's just it's it's just a really really solid thing. And you know, I guess I should have expected that from the guy who adapted Out of Sight, you know, and it adapted this book to be this uh, this series. But um, yeah, it's just it's it's one of those things that should it's better than it has any right to be, <laughs> honestly. And there's one thing I don't like that they do um, early on, like in the first episode, that kind of, it, it, it's just a filmmaking thing that they do that redeems itself as they go along, luckily. But like in the first episode, I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of cheesy. And then it's like, okay, no, this actually has a purpose by the end of it. So, hmm. yeah, but I definitely, I'd recommend it. I think I only have two episodes left, but thus far, you know, it's been really fantastic. So the hype is real. Yeah. And like I've said, like Anya Taylor-Joy, like there's just something about her charisma that really works for me. And it's not just that her eyes are like three feet apart. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Anyone else? Yeah. Anything else? I could say one thing real quick if no one has anything else. I do not. Go for it, Chuck. BJ's okay. hiding out over there. Yeah. He's like, don't call on me. Don't call on me, teacher. <laughs> BJ, what have you watched? Yeah. I <laughs> uh, just put a blanket over his head. <laughs> um, so I'm continuing to do my thing where I'm watching all the movies that aired on HBO during a certain month in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has, it, it has mostly mixed results, but occasionally it reminds me of something that's really fucking great. Um, and so far in this journey, it's reminded me of, uh, John Carpenter's Starman, which mm. is a fucking terrific movie that then when I started telling people, Hey, Starman's terrific. A lot of people were like, you know, I've never seen Starman. And I'm like, okay, listen, this is your public service <laughs> announcement. Go watch Starman. You need to fucking watch Starman. It's like his most uplifting movie 
his most like out of his own comfort zone kind of thing. Uh, his only movie that got nominated for an Oscar. Uh, it's the start of Jeff Bridges being a fucking weirdo when he wants to be. <laughs> so it, it's got a lot going for it. And if you've never seen Starman, you should go fucking watch Starman. It's real fucking good. So I think the start of Jeff Bridges being weird when he wants to be was probably more like the last picture show. <laughs> I feel like he's just always been weird. I, and, yeah, yeah, maybe, but no, this is like I know it's like the carte blanche weird, where it's just like, yeah, you're you're a dude, man. You know, like yeah. whatever. <laughs> you know, like you know, you get to movies like The Vanishing in the '90s, where it's just like, man, where are you from, dude? Like what? Like every movie is just like some variation on you're an alien, aren't you? <laughs> you're just you're not real. <laughs> English is my first language. <laughs> Maybe that's just it. Maybe he started. He actually did kind of start talking like Edgar when the suit wasn't fitting quite right. Just, <laughs> right. Sugar, water. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's like he did True Grit, and he was just like, "I'm stuck in this yeah. voice. I can't stop this doing it, it. now." Because he's actually there's an interview with him on the Blu-ray. I'm amazed that he's fucking talking about Starman, uh, and he's doing that. And I'm like, "Can you not do that?" Like, <laughs> uh, but no, he does that. Uh, but yeah, he's he's it's. You know that story that that made the rounds about Jeff Bridges, where he on the set will take a bunch of photos and then put together a book for the cast at the end. That mm-hmm. that's like his passion. He's got this weird like old panoramic camera that he uses, and he, that's like his real passion. He just on the set, he's always taking all these set photos and he puts them together in in books and hands them out at the end of the production. It actually started during Starman because he was just doing it, and one of the cast members was like you should put those in a book. And he was like, yeah, yeah, all right. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, so if you want to see where that started, watch, watch Starman. You won't see him actually take any pictures, but (laughs) just know that behind the scenes, he was doing it. Okay. That's That's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty neat. But yeah, watch Starman. It's really, really good. I, it's just, it's, it's one of those movies of that age where I was too young to see it and then just never got back to it. You know, it's just one, it's one of those that, while it may be good, it just, it didn't really have maintain cultural relevance per se. You know, it wasn't like, oh, people are really going to bat for Starman and like, you know, by 1990, not, not really. Yeah. And it's weird. It's another one of those movies where the score sounds like a John Carpenter score and it's not John Carpenter doing the music. Um, so yeah, I was mad at that dude for stealing John Carpenter's music, but <laughs> he didn't steal John Carpenter's music. That's all I got. So Starman's the only one that you'd be like, yeah, do this. I I mean, Thus there's far. been a couple of others that have been, you know, yeah, this is worth a watch, but I mean, Starman's a five-star movie, so. I mean, it, it is okay. just part of that crazy run that John Carpenter has in his career. You know, like Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine, Starman, Big Trouble in Little China, and yeah, then it's a good run, man. It's it's a it's a ridiculous run. It's like seven great movies in seven years. Yeah, I really do not like the fog like at all, but I, I yes. don't I don't necessarily like the fog either. I appreciate a lot of the things about the fog, and its its style is fucking amazing. Yeah. I just I I don't really like it, but yeah. just in terms of a run of movies that are sure, just like sure. I can see why you like it. Then you get to Prince of Darkness, and I'm like, nope, it's over. <laughs> But yeah, John Carpenter, hell of a filmmaker. You heard it here first. <laughs> Breaking news, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck going to bat for Carpenter. Yeah. Controversial opinion, you guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also watched Scarface. Breaking news. That's that's a pretty good movie. I don't I don't know if you're aware of it. What? Yeah. I mean, Never it's it. yeah. No, it's it's like it's it's what you call like it's one of those movies that's actually good, but now people think it's not good because people who never saw the movie had the posters up on their wall. So it's one of those. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, no, it's, it's unlike the Boondock Saints. I will not go to bat and like try to convince anyone that the Boondock Saints is a good movie. Smart. But, but I'm saying like, I, I can enjoy it, but I would not say like, yeah, that's a fucking masterpiece. Scarface is pretty fucking close. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. also, unfortunately, one of those like, yeah, poster. Have you seen it? I uh, Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, De Palma, another one of those guys who had a run, and then it was just like, no, it's over yeah. for you. I don't know what you did wrong, but all done now. I don't he made know. that Palma, first Mission Impossible. De Palma can still make some movies that I enjoy every once in a while. Like Snake Eyes is so fucking stupid, but it's also so good too. That was twenty years ago. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying like you. Well, I mean, you, you, that's a much longer run than John Carpenter had. I mean, he Palma was making good movies in the seventies. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. Was, okay. 
Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, I didn't know where your De Palma cutoff was. Like, you know. No, no, no. Snake Eyes is still, that's okay. still good. But yeah, De Palma started just. Yeah. Snake Eyes might have been the end of it, actually. <laughs> Yeah, because mm. I think it was like Femme Fatale after that. It was just like, eh, no. He did Mission to Mars, then oh. Femme Fatale, okay. then Black Dahlia. I Black Dahlia is eh. all right. It's... And then Redacted and Passion, which I never know. I don't know what either of those are. And then Domino last year. Oh, right. Domino the one with the year? dude from uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. How about that? I'm probably one of the lone defenders of Kira Knightley's Domino. <laughs> I don't like that movie at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's another one I would never try to tell anyone to like that movie, but it, it worked for me. It's dumb. Yeah. It's a real dumb movie, but I like it. <laughs> you're really also, you're like, you love Tony Scott. I do. So. Tony Scott's style, that was that, yeah, it just usually worked for me. Yeah. Yeah, so. man. It's weird when, like, directors just get old and just, like, fall off the face of the earth you know or even That's if they don't really it's like a choice of words after just talking about tony scott <laughs> yeah <laughs> no well i'm just looking at de palma's oh, okay okay filmography yeah. and it's just like yeah you just kind of like stop doing anything mm-hmm. yeah i mean you think about like the go-to director dudes for a long time there you can throw coppola in there mm-hmm and it's just like, man, what? When do all of you just stop giving a shit? Like, yeah. I, I know, that, I know that films changed, and obviously, like the kinds of movies you were making aren't getting made. Yeah, there's that too. So, and you probably didn't want to change to to make something else, but you know, Scorsese didn't have that problem. He was like, okay, I'll I'll make some dumb shit. <laughs> I'll make an animated movie. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, he did do that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Wait, yeah. what was this animated movie? What did he do? Hugo. That's not animated. Isn't it? Or wasn't it Tin Tin? I was Spielberg, wasn't it? <laughs> who did that Tin Tin? <laughs> who, who done did that Tin Tin movie? Yeah, but Hugo is absolutely not animated. Not even Hugo's slightest. live action? Yes. It's got... <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it's got... Uh, the fuck am I thinking of? It's got Asia Butterfield, <laughs> Ender's Game Kid. I don't know. That dude, that kid was like in like 50 movies for like three years. I, get, I don't know why I remember his name. It had uh, Hit Girl in it. It has like, Ben Kingsley in it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You're yeah. saying that boy's name is Asia? Asa? <laughs> Asa? It's A-S-A. I don't know. I mean, I heard of them porn girls named Asia, but not them <laughs> Butterfields. <laughs> I, honest to God, thought Hugo was an animated movie as well. <laughs> See? Yeah. Why did I think that? What am I confusing Hugo with? I don't know. I've been trying uh, to tell you to watch Hugo for years. Hugo's fantastic. <laughs> is it just heavily CG'd or something? It was in three. It was in 3D. That's it. Otherwise, it's a live-action aspect. Ah, uh, 3D. That's why I thought uh, it was animated. It's, yeah. I mean, it was shot. It was one of the ones that was shot in 3D, so, like. Okay, if you maybe can see it that's in 3D, what I'm it's a good 3D of. movie, but you don't have to. It's also still just a good movie. Maybe that's what I was. Maybe I was just thinking like, oh, he's making 3D movies now. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's a really good ass family movie. Plus, like, with it, it's a weird ass family movie because it's like it works for me because for once, you know, coffee table book Scorsese works for me because he was like, I'm gonna make a movie that's sort of about George Milliers, like the filmmaker and you know early filmmaking shit, and it was like this is kind of mm. fucking magical and. You know, it wasn't about war or early gangster shit or things I don't care about. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or whatever the hell Shutter Island was about. <laughs> yeah. It's about an island. I, yeah. I, just, I still don't know. Ooh. Oh, that's Shutter Island. Sorry, that's different. Oh, oh. Yeah. I get it now. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's it, huh? I mean... Ten years later, I'm telling you to watch Hugo. So, still well, now movie. that I know it's not an animated movie, I will. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right, sure. That's what was stopping you, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Fuck that thing forever, fucking cartoon," and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, no animes, no no masters." Okay, All right. No subs, no dubs. Fuck everything. <laughs> It's it's also one of the you know mm-hmm. I sh- I should have brought it up when we were talking about Borat because it's got Tasha Baron Cohen in it like doing a mostly serious role so hmm. I mean, he gets a little goofy from time to time but yeah hmm mm-hmm. mm. now I'm super intrigued <laughs> yeah he plays like a constable and I think has a weird like accent because <laughs> they're all like you can do this if you want to. <laughs> 
Didn't he also play a constable and have a weird accent in Sweeney Todd? I think so, yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure like it's almost the same role. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Except I think that was British accent because it was a Sweeney Todd. Like, oh, I come get your meat pies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah, I know. I was a Dickensian child. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I can tell because of all your rickets. Yeah. What an Oliver Twist. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, let's let's wrap this up. Give us some contact information, please. Yeah, uh, go to the website, bmfcast.com. That's where we keep all the things. And then go to patreon.com slash bmfcast, and that's where you give all your money. <laughs> the end. Yes. Well said. Much, much shorter than great expectations. I can't argue any of that. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> all right, well, let's get out of here, shall we? Okay. I am Harlow, not animated. I'm Mackie. Partially animated. I'm BJ. Too tired to be animated. I'm chucking 3D. <laughs> oh, so you're Hugo. Yes. Okay. Somebody say the thing. What a story you're weaving. <laughs> Somebody say the thing. That makes <laughs> say the thing so we can end the show, BJ. <laughs> oh, and this is Mavcast out. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's been gone too long. Yeah. I'm very tired, and I have developed a headache over the course of the last hour and 11 minutes. Okay, last one to kill a bad guy buys the beer.